Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode number 52, and this will... The episode will take uh, up two cases, the 1965 uh, Icebox uh, murders and the 1977 uh, Girl Scout murders. You know, when you think about it, especially when you go to a large city or even driving through a suburban neighborhood, you know, I have this thing, it's kind of a strange habit I have that when I'm driving through a neighborhood, I look at all the different houses, you know, the especially the older ones, you know, and I think to myself, how many families have lived and grown up there, maybe passed away there, um, kids grew up there, Christmases, trees, holidays, and all of this stuff. And when you think about how many different homes apartments in inner cities, you know, it's, it's like, um, it's like a, a, a clock, you know, people move in, families grow up, children grow up, holidays, things go on in the houses, you know, everyday things that happen throughout our lives, and, you know, if only the walls in the houses could talk, it would be interesting to see, you know, just what went on. Um, but the one other interesting thing is if you look around with all of these houses and apartments and stuff like that. How many of them have contained or hidden murderers, rapists, bank robbers, kidnappers, and you have it? Well, this episode is going to touch upon a little a little of all of the things we just talked about. In 1956, or actually 1965, um, Fred and Edwina Rogers lived in Houston, Texas with their grown son, uh, Charles. The family mostly, you know, stayed to their self. Um, a lot of it had to do with Charles' uh, antisocial type behavior. Um the majority of the neighbors living in the neighborhood didn't even know Charles existed, quite honestly. Um, you know, he left, uh, Charles in the morning would leave the house very early and not return until late at night. So nobody knew Charles was really even there. Sometime after... Uh, a family member hadn't heard for, from either Roger, uh, the Roger family, for several days. You know, they just didn't hear anything, and it wasn't like them. But, 
you know, who knows? Were they on vacation? Were they doing something? Were they just too busy? You know, you never know. So, the Houston Police Department went out to the house for a uh, well-being check to make sure everything was okay. When they um, arrived at the house, they were unable to um, find either uh, Fred or uh, Edwina Rogers. But they did notice uh, food sitting on the uh, dining room table, which rose their suspicions. Um, so they kind of be, you know, looked around, did a little cursory search, and found, saw a, um, an ice cooler. It's not uncommon for houses to have ice coolers, especially those in rural communities where, you know, they store game and meats and other things. I mean, it's not unusual. Um, the interesting thing is when they opened the uh, freezer door, they noticed uh, several packages of meat that were stacked neatly. And then they noticed a human head, two human heads in the, veg the vegetable bin. Uh, a little creepy right there. I mean, you know, uh, you know, and as they slowly removed some of the other packages, um, they found a lot of dismembered body parts, uh, the remains of, uh, which were the remains of uh, Fred and uh, Edwina Rogers. Um, Edwina uh, Rogers had been uh, brutally beaten and shot, and her husband Fred suffered uh, from... Uh, trauma to his uh, head, and his eyes had been uh, gouged out, and his uh, genitalia had been removed. Um, they also r realized that the uh, couple's innards had been flushed down the uh, toilet, and Charles was nowhere to be found. Imagine that. Uh, Charles became the prime person of interest in the crime. Uh, however, he had seemed to disappear off the... Uh, he just disappeared. Nobody knew where he was. Nobody found him. You're talking 1965. The technology to find people then is nothing like today. It's today's, it's, you know, you really can't go anywhere. But back then, I mean... Which was there, there were no cell phones. There were no. Um, there were no cell phones. There were no cameras in the stores. You know, the neighbors weren't as suspicious of people. So, um, I guess the evidence collected in the case uh, suggested that uh, their son Charles. Roger uh, had been the uh, suspect in the crime. However, even up to today, Charles uh, Roger was never found. So Charles is, could be out there walking around somewhere. Depending on his age, 1965 isn't really that long ago. So who do you have living next door to you?
you know them? Do you know what they do? Do you know when someone leaves early in the morning? Or do you may not pay, even pay attention? And it always goes back to, like I tell you at the end of each show, when you're in a dark place, dark street, dark parking lot, and you hear those footsteps behind you, you never know what their intention might be. So first of all, you got to ask yourself, what the hell are you doing there? And you better be able to run. Our second case, the, uh, the Girl Scout murders, occurred in 77. Uh, it occurred in uh, Oklahoma. The um, there were three vi- three young victims uh, between the ages of eight and ten. Uh, the three victims were raped and murdered. And about two months prior to the uh, murder, a camp counselor found a. There's disturbing note on her um, belongings. Someone had uh, promised to murder three girls at the camp. So that in itself may have, eh, should have maybe turned on a, a, a caution light. However, the counselor believed that it, it was you know, a tradition that they did campfire stories and, uh, you know, horror stories and wood stories to scare the kids. So she just thought that it was part of a, um, you know, a scary story or something to, I don't know, maybe incite a little fear as a prank or, uh, um, in the morning of uh, June 13th, 77, the girls' bodies were found in their sleeping bags out on a trail leading to camp showers. Uh, the only pieces of evidence uh, left behind was a, a red flashlight and a, a bloody footprint. Kind of interesting, you know. Um, they did come up with a, uh, a, a person of interest in the, uh, the Girl Scouts murder. Uh, he was um, Gene Leroy Hart, an, an escaped convict at the time. Um, he had been raised about a mile from the camp. At the time of the murder, he was at large for escaping from the prison, or prison where he uh, served time for burglary, kidnapping, and rape. However, a local jury had acquitted Hart of the crime, citing the lack of evidence. However, uh, in this case, um, Gene Leroy Hart uh, was never found. So, based on that, either Gene Leroy Hart is walking around Or another killer that was never identified. So here, just within the last two cases, we have people that have murdered walking around. 
cases never solved, people never arrested. So, as you're driving down the down your street, somebody else's street, and you're looking at all these houses and wondering who lived there, how many families grew up there, how many holidays, what the people were, what their life was like. Just think about these two killers that are out there somewhere. Could they be living in one of those houses? Possibly. Could they have killed somebody in one of those houses and the bodies were just never found? Possibly. So maybe you need to start watching your neighbors a little better. Picking up those little peculiarities that one would never really pay attention to. You know, you never know. You might be living right next door to the burbs and you not even know it. It happens. It happened here. You know? So why wouldn't it happen right next to you? You don't know. You never know. Another really interesting one is the uh, New Orleans Axeman. Um, he had been active between uh, 1918 and 1919. The majority of his victims were Italian immigrants and uh, uh, immigrant communities. And they were all killed uh, by an axe. Um, he killed access to the hall the house by removing panels on the door, enter, murder, uh, murder the, uh, the victims with either a straight razor or an axe. Uh, he was known to have murdered at least, at least 12 people. Most, most of all, uh, who were women. Uh, in March of 7, 1919, uh, the identified killer, uh, sent a really bizarre letter. I like these killers. They always send letters. Why don't they turn themselves in? Because that's how they are. Um, it was described as a letter from hell where he describes himself as an invisible... He described himself as invisible. Uh, it's kind of unusual. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from, from hell. Oh, that's interesting. The Axeman um, stated the dates and times of his uh, next planned uh, murders and suggests that the only way to stop him was to play jazz music in response to the uh, uh, entice this. Oh my god, this is this guy gets like a little fucking weird every time I think about it. Um, so, I guess he's basically telling everybody, by playing jazz music, you're going to uh, stop him from coming into your house. Yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. I mean, you know, one to come up with letters, uh, you know, like that. I mean, it's just, 
you just have to wonder about freaking people. And with the association with jazz music come, came in, um, it's really, who the hell knows. Uh, we also have a, another, uh, the girl in the box. Um, this was a 20-year-old uh, Colleen Stain. Uh, was on her way to a friend's house uh, in North California. Uh, she was captured um, by, at that time, an unidentified um, suspect. Um, and it's interesting because it was believed that um, she had been picked up by, uh, she was hitchhiking and picked up by Cameron, uh, Cameron Hooker and his wife, Janice Hooker. Uh, where uh, they, it was actually an abduction. Uh, she spent 17 years uh, trapped in a box with no light, sound, or fresh air. Convinced by the um, the hookers that a mysterious and dangerous organization would kill her and her family if she didn't comply. Now, people like this, nothing for nothing, but they just need their ass whipped. I mean, these demented people, I mean, you know... You know, where the hell do you people come from? I mean, what rock did you and the nearest Nightcrawler come out of? I mean, really. I mean, shit. You know, that that's one of my pet peeves. And I, and I got I to gotta be honest with you. I have one pet peeve in law enforcement. It wasn't bank robbers. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things. But... Human trafficking and kidnapping and bondage. I, you know what? The thought of it, um, yeah, it's just one of those things I don't deal with well. So if you're going to be one of those people and you want to run across my path, yeah, just buyer beware. Um, eventually, uh, Stan was, uh, but out of the box, where she spent 23 uh, hours a day eating uh, cold food scraps and uh, using a bedpan, she was uh, tortured, raped, using various um, objects several years into captivity. A brainwashed Dane was allowed to visit her family once and even given a kind of job. I mean, you know, I would think that you know, if I was a parent and my kid came home after who knows how many years with some people I didn't know, somebody, before I even call the cops, somebody would be getting a serious ass whooping. You know, um, ridiculous. But when, um, but when Cameron said he wanted uh, Stan to uh, be his second wife, the entire um, dynamics changed. Um, 
Stan eventually got on a bus and fled to her family while uh, Janice uh, turned her husband in receiving immunity for the full cooperation. Well, I suppose, I, I guess you're proud of yourself, you, you degenerate. I mean, Christ sakes, you know what? I wouldn't have gave you a fr- I would have arrested your husband and thrown your ass in jail, too. I would have thrown you in a freaking box. Holy Christ, Hagatha. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I, I just I just don't do these some of these stories well like that. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it just freaks me the hell out. Okay, well, with that note, this is episode I believe fifty-two of the Night Stalker, uh, and we actually covered a few different uh, stories. We covered the um, the sixty-five um, icebox. Um, Killings, the, um, the three uh, 1977 Girl Scout killings. Um, I don't have a specific date on the um, girl in the box. However, by looking at her picture, I'm going to say probably somewhere in the 70s based on her haircut. 70s. Possibly early 80s, but more likely uh, with the clothing and the haircut, probably 1970s. So with that, I will see you the next episode, which is going to be episode 53. We're putting a lot of episodes out this year. Uh, We have a lot of um, we have a lot of new listeners, uh, not just in the United States. Uh, Germany is picking up. Great Britain's picking up. the demographics are actually interesting because they're um, younger people between 18 and 18 and about 22 uh, worldwide. The majority of the listeners are female, which doesn't surprise me because females are more inquisitive than males. That's why we're always getting ourselves jammed up and shit. Um, yes, and the listening time. See, and, and this is kind of weird because it says 11 a.m. to uh, about 5 p.m., but is that Eastern Standard Time, Western Standard Time, Central Time? We don't know, so based on that, I have no clue. But um, I have another interesting one that will probably be episode 53. I, uh, As I was... Uh, Interviewing people for the Rory Weber case. Uh, I never did part two yet. Uh, I am going to do part two. The only uh, thing that I have to let you know about part two <clears throat> is that based on some credible witnesses, um, there are people that are were involved uh, in soliciting prostitutes in the province uh, area back in the early 2000s that were politically affiliated um, and maybe even some that were working on <clears throat> in the law enforcement uh, field at the time. So part two is probably going to really, you know, make some people wish that they had uh, just stayed away from the 
prostitution and uh, circuit, but they didn't. So here you are. I, I do have another interesting one. Um, as I said during the um, Roy Weber interview, uh, I had an individual send me a handwritten note of it looked like about a dozen females that disappeared uh, in a Newport area. Uh, upon speaking to this person on the phone, um, there was a an individual who had been in the military, Marines, um, always creeped her out. Always talked down to her as a female. Always trying to solicit her. And the interesting thing, and one of the homicides, there was a U.S. Marine. Insignia found and collected as evidence. So, what do you think? We'll discuss that on episode 53. Until then, like I always tell you, <clears throat> when you're in a dark place, dark room, dark alleyway, or dark anywhere, you got to ask yourself, what the hell are you doing there? And then you got to ask yourself a more Important question. Those footsteps behind you, who are they? What do they want? Are they going to walk past? Or maybe they're not going to walk past. That's even a more, more curious, scarier prospect. So until next episode, I will see you then. I'm Mike C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast.